Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. Thank you for joining us here. I'm Pastor Gabe. Welcome to Emmanuel Church. Or if you're watching online, welcome to Emmanuel Church Online. You can go ahead and take a seat if you are with us in-house. We are glad to see you and have uh, a time to worship together and celebrate together every Sunday. It is the best uh, to be able to be here. Uh, If you are watching us for the first time, let us know in the chat. We want to uh, be able to uh, connect with you, serve you better. Uh, and if you're here in person in the first time, uh, you actually do get a gift if you're here. If you're online and you want to give too, let us know. And you've never been here before, never watched for the first time, we'll send you one. Let us know. We'll connect with you to do that too. If you want to continue to serve this ministry by giving and everything that you give goes to help the day-to-day ministry and everything that we do here at Emmanuel Church, you can give online by going to myemmanuelchurch.com slash give or by texting 84321 with the amount that you want to give. And that supports everything that we do here. And we are glad to have your support. And uh, briefly, you know, we are going to be talking about the topic of money today. Uh, I know that um, it's not something that I talk about all of the time. And today, though, is part of our series, Fresh, A New Look, uh, week three of our series. And I know that money can be a taboo subject in the church, and rightly so. I think that a lot of times people have uh, their reservations and concerns when it comes to using their money to give to any kind of organization, really. I think people have reservations about giving to charities and other things because we hear stories and uh, we see things and we hear things from people that talk about how charities don't really always use all of the money that uh, is given to them. And so we, we become afraid and apprehensive about giving. We become afraid and apprehensive about dealing with money. And when the, when it comes to church, we feel the same way. Oftentimes we are unsure if the church is an institution worth investing our money in or investing our resources in. And it's not without concern and it's not without its truths. I was reading some articles as I was studying for this that talked about one of the biggest issues and scandals in the church is issues of money, yet it's often not reported about. The biggest scandals we hear about is when the big time pastors or pastors fall and they have some kind of issue within their marriage or things like that. And that's what we hear about. But a lot of times there are issues that go, go, that happen inside of the church that deal with money that often aren't even talked about. Members or people that work in staff and church embezzling money or leadership, keeping more of it for themselves rather than in putting in into people. And so we hear these horror stories and we become afraid of saying, is the church actually worth my money? 
And then it's not just that. We see tele-evangelists on TV, online, uh, 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 trying to guilt people into giving them their money so that they can buy their second private jet because God told them they needed a second private jet. I don't know about if you have one private jet, I think that's enough. You know, just, I, I mean, I don't even have a private jet. I mean, I'm fine with, that sounds like a lot of money that doesn't need to be invested in a private jet. But like, yeah, and we see that. We see those kind of stories. Uh, and then we hear stories of evangelists uh, or, or preachers buying these mansion-like homes with golden toilets on it. And, and if you think that like, that doesn't happen. No, it happened more than once. And we wonder why people don't want to give to the church. We wonder why people don't want to, in, to, to, to give their money to the church and say, this is for God when they are almost certain in their own minds and in their own hearts that it's not. That it's going to be used for something else. That it's going to be used for something else. So, yes, we have reservations. We have fears. We have worries when it comes to money. And let's be honest, many of us are going through life and through this pandemic right now and are struggling with money. And so it may not even be that we don't want to give our money to the church, but that we simply don't even feel that we have enough to even take care of ourselves, let alone take care of other people. We wonder, we live in a culture, and not only that, we live in this culture that is centered and focused around money more than anything else. Everything that we do revolves around money. It, whether the buying of things, the selling of things, everything, the health of the country sometimes in, in our nation is often equated to the health of the stock market, market which is not always the same thing. The, 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 the state of our nation is not the same thing, yet it's often seen as that. If we have money, then we're doing well. And that's what we think of people too. We look at people who are successful and have money and there are millionaires and billionaires and say their lives must be great. Yet oftentimes we end up hearing stories of those who have everything and yet have had nothing on the inside and have struggled with their own demons and lost. There is so much that is centered around money that we need to realize that money is not a finan not just this financial issue. Because I could stand here and I could talk to you and give you uh, tips and tricks and things of how to manage your money and how to finance this. And, you know, there's a time and there is a place for all of that. All of us could do a little bit better with learning how to take care of what we have better. We could all do that. But before any of us ever deal with that, we have to first come to terms with that money isn't just a work issue. Money isn't just a financial issue. Money is a heart issue. Money goes deeper than just surface level. There is more to it than meets the eye. There's more to it than meets the eye. And the title of my message today is If I Only Had a Heart. And if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, and I don't know if you've caught this so far, but all of my titles have kind of, uh, for the sermon series, have kind of had like a fantasy-like uh 
theme to them through the looking glass, uh, stop and smell the roses, kind of like that. And so today is if I only had a heart. And if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, you know the story and know the story. Uh, Dorothy ends up in the land of Oz and she meets with a tin man, a lion and a scarecrow and all of them need something. And so along with Dorothy, they go in search of the wizard, thinking that they can find a way home thinking they can find courage, thinking they can find a brain, uh, thinking that they can find a heart. And that's the Tin Man. He wants a heart. He wants something because he used to be human, the story is, and that at some point he became this machine and now he thinks that he cannot feel. But there is more to it. And when he confronts the wizard, he says, you think that you don't have a heart. And then the land that I come from, there are, can't, he doesn't remember uh, the name, but philanthropists, do those who do good deeds, he says, and do-gooders, and they have no more heart than you have already. Telling him, you already have a heart. You just need to recognize that you are not seeing the real issue. And so like that, we need to refocus our issue when it comes to money and realize that it's not about how much we have or how little we have and what we do with, first what we do with it. It's first how our heart is oriented towards our riches and wealth in this world. Matthew Chapter 6, verses 19 to 24 is where we're going to be this morning. And then right after Luke, chapter 16, verse 13 to 15. And Jesus is teaching. And he talks about money. And in fact, they often say that one of the topics that Jesus talks most about in the Bibles is money. And I, I, I looked up a lot of different verses as I was studying this. That they have to do with money. And honestly, there is so much, yes, that talks about money, but the root issue is always the heart. It's always about the inside work that we need to do. And that's what this series is about. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. The eye of the lamp is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great the darkness. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Some versions say you cannot serve both God and mammon, which is a God that was associated with money in those days. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13 to 15, similarly, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees about money. And I don't know if this is parallel to the story or if this is another instance of the same teaching but jesus says in luke 16 13 to 15 no one can serve two masters either you will love 
the one and love the other, or you will be devoted. No, I'm sorry. You will either hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of God, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And the thing about this is, is that Jesus teaches this subject. He says, you cannot serve two masters. You will either serve God and love God and hate money, or you will love money and you will end up hating God. And he tells the Pharisees, see, your issue is, is that love of money in you has blinded you to think that you are in the place of righteousness, that you have become uh, so accustomed to, to money and the love of money that you think that because you have that, you are doing right by God. And that, I think, is one of the biggest problems in the church today that we have become so focused on money that if a church is big and has money and has a building and has all of these things and has uh, more than enough to go around, that that church is doing right by God. But Jesus said, you have convinced yourselves that you are right when what is inside you is detestable to God. Because you love money, and so you can't serve both. You will love God or love money. So to to get to the heart of this teaching, we have to do two different things. We have to first recognize toxic teachings that we have learned about money. And the second is, is we have to learn what it means. Uh, the second thing, we have to learn what it means to reorient our hearts to God rather than money in our lives. Because we have filled ourselves and we have been taught all of our lives so many things, sometimes that it's hard to tell what is real and what is not, what is truth and what is fiction. Because it sounds right, you know, we... Someone speaks loud enough and in a confident enough voice, no matter what they say, it can sound like it's the right thing. It can sound true. It can sound to be right. And if someone with enough influence will teach us that, then that's what we will believe. So we have to identify what are some toxic teachings that we have learned about money. What is the, what is the correct way of actually looking at that issue? And how can we reorient our heart towards God in these issues. So first off, we're going to talk about toxic teachings on money in the Bible. And this is one, for, the first one we're going to go is you is something that I've heard all my life growing up in church. And there is some principle perhaps to it, but often it is abused to guilt people into giving more of their own money. The first teaching that I've often heard that is toxic in the church is you give to get. You give to get. Some of us have heard this, and we've, we've heard that if you give to God, God will bless you. If you give to God, you will receive back. And that is often what I hear when it comes to people uh, collecting offering or time to give in churches. We are told that if we give, God is going to give back to us. 
And so there are a couple of different issues with the premise behind this teaching. Yes, there is truth to it. Instances where we give and God blesses us. Where we give and God does something for us in return. But the problem is, is if this is our constant view on giving and money in the church, then we miss the point and purpose of giving. If we are focused on giving in order to receive something back, then that's not a gift. That is an exchange. That is business. It's like Christmas. A lot of times at Christmas, people exchange gifts. And I have some friends that I know that they don't like receiving gifts. I like to give gifts. I am a gift giver. That is one of my love languages. I like to give gifts. I often don't have enough money to give all the gifts that I would love to give to people. But I would, I love to give gifts. But there are people that I know that they hate to receive gifts because now in their mind, I have to give you something back. I have to give you something in return. Otherwise, I just feel terrible. I understand it. I can't wrap my I understand it, kind of. I can't completely wrap my head around it because my one of my ways of showing love to people is to give them something. And so if people try to reject it or anything, I feel bad. So if I try to give you something, don't take it personally. I'm not trying to ask you to give me something in return. But that's what we've been conditioned to believe. So if we get something from someone, we offer, we expect that we are expected to give something back. We are expected to get something in. Even birthday parties have this, this built, this system built into it. Do you want to get gifts from friends? You have to have a party and give them free food. You have to do this thing in order to get the things for yourself. So this is innately built into the way we do life. We give so that we can receive. Everything is transactional. And the problem with this teaching in the church is that, yes, it happens. Yes, there are stories of people that have given everything that they had and God has returned blessing. And I do not doubt those. But that is not the standard. When the Bible tells us to give, it is for the purpose of loving others and serving them. It is not so that you can receive something in return. But when our heart has this idea that I give so that I can get something, even when we give offering to the church or give to those less fortunate, our mind is, well, I'm going to get it back anyway. And we have served no one but ourselves. In turn, giving has become to receive rather than to give. We have turned the phrase, the popular phrase, it is better to give than to receive on its head and say it's better to receive than to give. So that's why I give so I can get. So we cannot let this teaching invade our churches and our minds and our hearts because it corrupts the way we do life with people. Everything that we do then will become a transaction. Every relationship that we have will become a transaction. It's what I can get out of someone instead of what I can give to someone. It's what I can, others can do for me with, instead of what I can do for them. The second teaching that we are taught oftentimes is that wealth is always about money. Wealth and blessing are always about money. 
See, the Bible does teach us that if we give, God will bless us. But often what is taught to us is that if we give money, then we will receive money in return. The truth of it is, is that God often shows us is that when you give, even if it is money, you may not always receive money in return. God blesses us in so many ways that we don't even realize so many things that we don't even understand at times that if we don't receive money, we have somehow thought that God doesn't love us. And so this is the problem with this teaching. When wealth and blessing are equated with money, we miss the blessings and the goodness that God has has for us in life. There is so much more to it. But wealth is not that. Wealth is where your treasure is. Wealth is part of your heart. Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart is also. Oftentimes, I, there used to be a thing that people would say all the time. Show me your checkbook, which is not a thing that people really do anymore. Some people do, but not everybody does. I, 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 don't, I don't ever keep receipts or anything. Like uh, All my stuff is just like my, my digital wallet. I can see it. I can look at it. I know where it's at. And I don't have a checkbook. But the same principle applies. Where you see your money going most often is usually where you see where your values are at. If you're... Of course, you know, we have bills and groceries and things, but if your money is also invested in helping and giving to others, if you use your resources to help others, then your heart is for other people. But if it's always centered on yourself, then your value is yourself. If it's centered on your family, then your value is your family. If it's centered on, uh, you know, technology, then you like technology. Like where, where you see your stuff at, where you see your resources going are the things that you value. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So if our treasure and our wealth is, is, is focused on and is found in what we have, the material possessions that we have, if it's focused on how much money we have in our bank account or under your mattress, if you don't trust banks, uh, you know, wherever you keep your money at, if you, if that is where your treasure is, then you have your treasure in something that is not going to last. But Jesus teaches us, the Bible teaches us that blessing and wealth, to be wealthy and blessing is more than just having a lot of money in your bank account. It's the people that we treasure. It's the time that we give and spend with others. It is the gifts and abilities that we have been given and what we do with them. It is the world that we live in and take care of and we should take care of. These are the gifts and the blessings that we give. We have been given, but we often miss it because we will be focused on the fact that I was told that if I give, my blessing will be in money, that I will be wealthy. But God wants to make us wealthy in other ways. So wealth is not just about money. Number three, I'm probably going to step on some toes in this one. Jesus is not a capitalist. The kingdom of God is not based on capitalism. Jesus was an American. I don't know if you know this newsflash. He was born in the Middle East, a city called Bethlehem. I know there's a Bethlehem, like, in Texas. That's not where he was born. He was born in the Middle East in Bethlehem. And so 
The culture, of course, 2,000 years ago was very different from now. But money was also a very central thing in those days. And Jesus did teach a lot about money. He taught that you should pay your taxes. I don't know if you know that. He did say, pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he told Peter, go fishing, get some money so so we can pay our taxes. Um, That doesn't sound, that, that sounds normal. Like he went fishing and sold some fish and made money so that he could pay taxes. No, he went fishing, pulled a coin out of a fish's mouth, and then went to pay his taxes. The Bible has some crazy stories, y'all. Um, but yeah, we're, we're taught these things. So Jesus teaches about these things, and he teaches about giving your, your taxes and giving to what is due and paying for what you need to and not cheating people out of money, that you should be honest with these kind of things. But Jesus also did not hold to the capitalistic ideals that we often think of in the United States. Jesus wasn't capitalist. Jesus wasn't uh, American. So he does not hold the same kind of values. And when we do that, when we project American ideals on Jesus, we miss what he was trying to teach us about money. We miss what he was trying to teach us about the kingdom of God. Something I often say is that Jesus' kingdom turned our, our realities upside down because he often did what was opposite of what the culture and kingdoms of the days would do. And so, yes, he taught that we should pay taxes and all these other things. And uh, we, he taught we should steward our money and take care of it and invest it if we have it and give to those who are in need. But he also taught us that, that, that last part, give to those who are in need was his number one thing. Money, oftentimes, when he spoke of it, was, was to tell people, give everything you have away and follow me. And that is definitely not a capitalistic ideal. In fact, that's probably the opposite. But Jesus said, oftentimes to wealthy people that wanted to follow him, says, sell everything that is in your possession, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Jesus didn't hold the same standards that we did when it comes to money. What he was trying to teach us is that money is at issue, a heart issue. And if it has a hold on you, then there is something that you need to do. See, we live in a society that tells us we need to get money to enjoy life. Capitalism for all its benefits, also breeds greed and a culture that loves money, that loves the bottom line, and that doesn't value people over their contributions. Jesus' ideal was that the people mattered more than what they could contribute in the first place. He says they have value because of who they are. So if we allow our American values to be placed on Jesus, then Jesus will tell us that people don't matter. But Jesus tells us people matter more than how much money they have, how much money they can give, and what they do for a living. That is not Jesus. See, when we fall into that, then our value, our value, comes from what we do. How many times have you met someone new and one of the first questions you ask with them on reflex without even thinking about it is, what, is you, what do you do? Where do you work? 
Because our identity has often in our culture is identified by what we do and how much we make in that job. And we are looked down lesser than if we make less than others. I can't tell you how many dirty looks I get when I tell people I'm a pastor and they're like, oh, you don't make money, huh? No, I don't. (laughs) And that's fine. That's not why I do what I do, but our identity can't be in that. And when we give these ideals, our value, people's value is less than what we have, the finances that we have. But Jesus's idea says that's different. No, people matter more than the money that they have. People matter more than you think that they do. Number four, last toxic teaching, people Poor people are somehow lazy and sinful. Poor people are often labeled as lazy and sinful. This is a common saying that poor people just need to work harder. Uh, Well, they just need to get a job. When we discount so many things when we say that, first of all, I know a lot of poor people that are the hardest working people that I know. Many poor people in our nation work two or three jobs and work harder than most people and think that they do. And it's less about the work ethic and more about a broken system that we live in. A system that oppresses those who have less. A system that oppresses those who have less. And so we are led to believe that poor people are just simply lazy. And in the church, that often translates to poor people. You are poor because there is sin in your life. And I have heard that before from prominent preachers and speakers that if you are poor, there is something wrong with you. Because God has called us to all be millionaires. I wish, brother... But that is not the truth. That is not the truth. Oftentimes, poor people are not a product of their work ethic, but are a product of systems that oppress them. And our nation, whether you believe me or not, statistics show that black people make 30% less than their white counterparts. That minorities, people of color, that Hispanics, this church is a Hispanic-founded church, Hispanics make less than their white counterparts. That we are in a nation that oftentimes that is the truth. And it is a sad reality. But that does not mean that they are hard workers. If anything, I know Latinos, people that don't have their papers that can build a house in a week. Harder, faster, better than most people. It's not about the work ethic. But when we do that, we do the same thing. We assign value to people based on their money. And we assign a spiritual situation based on their wealth. And we tell people they are wrong or that they need Jesus simply because they don't have enough in their pockets. And then when we do that, we designate hate for those who we have been called to help. We designate hate for those who we have been called to help. We avoid their gaze when we walk by them in the streets we look around, look at our phones when we're on, uh, when we're driving and we see them. We don't even want to make contact with them or rush by them when they ask us, Can, do you have a moment? Do you have a dollar? And we don't want to do anything about it. 
we don't oftentimes even want to give them the dignity of acknowledging their existence as a human being in our world. This is not what God has taught us. This is not the heart of what God has taught us. See, the heart, this heart issue, the love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The root of all evil is the love of money. And many have wandered, as some people eager for money have wandered from the face and pierced themselves for many, with many griefs. They are worried, they are searching and chasing after finances, and they make themselves more righteous than they are. Because it's a heart issue. We think that if we have more, then we'll be okay. But no, we have to look inside. What is going on on the inside that makes it right? It may not be outright in us because many of us might think, I don't have an issue with money. I don't got problems with money in my life. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm doing well. I don't have a lot of money, you know. But that doesn't mean I have an issue with money in my heart. It's not outright visible, but it is visible in the fact that we need to have the latest and greatest phone that comes out every single year. It is visible in the fact that our wardrobe is constantly outdated for ourselves. We'll look at our wardrobes and we'll be like, man, you bought it like two months ago. And it's like, I already need new clothes. I already need new clothes. You haven't even finished paying off one car and you're like, I need a new car. I need a new car. You can't even afford the car you have. We can't even afford the cars we have, and yet we are insistent on getting a new one. It's, it's, it's here in our hearts because it's been taught and ingrained in us in our culture. It's bad to have free lunch in schools. You look down upon if you have free lunch in school. It's bad to come from a neighborhood like Cloverleaf. It's bad to these things because we look down on that and it's in our hearts. We try to keep up with the Joneses. We try to do everything we can to impress the people around us. And yet our hearts are suffering. It's not about the clothes, you know. It's not about that. We're, we're trying to we're, we're trying to look good on the outside. We're trying to look good and make sure that everybody thinks we're good on the outside. And we think if we have enough money, that we'll do that better. Or at least if we buy expensive things, then people will think we're okay. I used to have a friend that he shopped exclusively at the Galleria. No longer does that, but he used to exclusively shop at the gallery. And I'm like, man, that is way too rich for my blood. And oftentimes he would compliment my outfits and he's like, where did you get it at? Walmart. Ross. The thrift store. Because that's what I can afford. But that doesn't mean it's bad just because it's lower class. Yet people will often be made fun of for that. It's a heart issue. It is a heart issue. We have allowed our hearts to be corrupted by the love of money, by a culture that loves money more than it loves people, loves money more than it loves God. And yet tries to get us to think that it is the right way of doing things. The church has often become consumeristic in that. People not going to the right, trying to find another church just because it doesn't fit their aesthetic at church, they just didn't have enough lighting. Ah, they didn't have smoke machines. I want the smoke machines. We're consuming churches instead of like trying to seek out what God wants for us. 
And that consumeristic culture is there. And we miss so much. We miss so much. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this to the rich. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this, they will lay up their treasure for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age. And I like this part right here. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And it says, your wealth shouldn't be your hope. Because there is life out there that God wants us to live that is more than that. And we live in a nation, and even if we don't have lots of money, we live in one of the wealthiest nations in the world. And by extension, we are given things and have things that others do not have and we take for granted. So how can we reorient our hearts? How can we put our hearts in the right position First of all, we have to remember what we have is a gift and we should be and we need to be grateful for it. Psalm 24 verses 1 to 12 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Psalm 24 reminds us that everything that is in this world is God's already. And anything that we have, anything that we have been given, is that. It is a gift. Our jobs, our opportunities, the places where we work, the places we live, the homes that we live in, it is a gift. And oftentimes we take for granted how often we wake up every day with a roof over our heads. With air conditioning in the summer. You know that a lot of nations in the world don't have central cooling in their homes? That's not a thing. They just have wall heaters or uh, or AC units that they turn on when they need it. But no, here we have it like, oh, it's too hot, too cold. We're cha- constantly changing the environment in our homes. We have so much that we have, we miss and we don't notice and we don't see it that we are, should be grateful for, that we have every opportunity should be, every day should be an opportunity in which we thank God for what we have. We should wake up in the morning grateful for the lives that we are living. Yes, we have difficult, we're living in difficult times. Yes, some of us might be struggling, but we are still here and we may have more than our neighbors. So we need to be grateful. We need to remember that what we have is a gift. What we have is a gift. Secondly, we should think of others first. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you the interests of others. Think of others before yourself. Now, I know I, I, I am big on self-care, and self-care is important. you got to take care of yourself. you got to rest. you got to do those things, because otherwise you won't have anything to give other people. But we always have to have in mind that what we have is also an opportunity to bless others. Our time. Because maybe we don't have money, but we have time. 
We have ourselves. We have our talents. We have our gifts. We have our abilities. Something that we can do for others that other people may not be able to. We might be the best listener we know, and so your ear is the greatest resource you have to give to someone who is in need and needs someone to talk to. We have so much we could offer, but we can never do it unless we reorient our heart and say, think think each day, ask ourselves, what can I do today for someone else? Because the first question we often ask ourselves is, what do I have to do today for me? What do I got to get done? What, do, what work do I have to do? And instead, we should, all, we should add to that question, what can I do today for someone else? The Christian faith is often about thinking of the interests of other people before our own. It is thinking about the health of others, the well-being of others. That is one of the reasons why I encourage people to get vaccines and get masks. I know that's a political issue to some, but I think it's a love issue. Because think about the interests of others before your own. The same way with money. Think about the interests of others before your own. How can you help someone? How can you love someone? Third, be generous. I'm almost done here, worship team. Y'all got to cut me off because we're running out of time. Be generous. 2 Corinthians verse 9 to 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I, had to, I was reading this verse and I had to ask myself the question, when was the last time I gave to church or to some kind of cause and I was happy about it? I was like, man, I can't even think about it. When, when was the last time I took money out of my pocket and I was like, I am happy to give this. I am joyfully giving this. And I, I had to question myself and question our heart because a lot of times when we fail to be generous, then it, it's like the, the saying, you, you, you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you are not, if you are not working to be generous in your lives, eventually that empathy and care for others will fade. And so if we don't work to pray and to ask God and say, how can I be generous with my life? That will eventually shrink and we will eventually come to a point in our lives where giving is a chore rather than something we do out of joy. And lastly, because we need help, we need to ask God for help. None of us, none of us can be generous or have a heart oriented towards God unless God first directs us that way. It's hard when everything else in the culture we live in says, look after yourself first. Look after your own finances. Look after your own money. Look after your own things. Look after your own people. Look after you because you're the one that matters most. When we live in that culture, and when we live in a culture that tells us, buy, 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 use all the money that you've worked for to buy, 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 get more and more and more stuff because that's going to make you happy. When we live in that culture, it is not easy to be countercultural, So we need help. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need God. We need to call out to Him and say, God, I need you to help me break out of this habit because it's going to take the power of God to change our minds and to change our hearts. Because we might be asking, we might, we might be like the, the tin man, 
in, in The Wizard of Oz thinking, if I only had a heart. We do. We do. It's there. But it might need some adjusting. Bible says, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about God, take this heart of stone out. I think that's a lot of times what's happened to us. Our love grows cold. Our care for others grows cold. Our following of Jesus is based on other things rather than what Jesus actually said. And our hearts grow cold. And it says, take this heart of stone and put in me a heart of flesh so that you can mark it with your name. God, help me do that. I need that. We need that. As the church, we need that. We should be a beacon in a place where generosity is our one of our defining traits. Where people come and they're not afraid to ask. Because I've heard those stories like, why, why didn't you go to the church for help? Because every time I go, they simply think I'm a drug addict and they kick me out. Every time I go, they don't believe me. They think I'm lying. Every time I go to the church, it's the place that pushes me away instead of brings me in. We should be the place where our hearts are oriented to Jesus, to God, so that when people come in need, whatever their needs may be, we will open our doors, open our hearts to them and say, this is a place where you are safe, where you are loved, where you are seen, where you are heard. It's a heart issue. So today, let's stand. Let's pray for those of you who are online with us, watching wherever you're at. Let's pray today and ask that of God. Change my heart today. I don't want to be the same. I want to be what you have called me to be, the light of a light in this world, the salt of the earth. Someone who, when people see me, they see the love of Jesus more than anything else. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity today to be in your house. Help us, God. Help change our hearts. Help change our hearts, God. Turn our hearts back to you. Let us love those who you love, God. Let us help those who you have called us to help. Renew our hearts today, Jesus. Teach us. Break the teachings. Break the bad teaching. Break the toxic teaching in our life, Lord. And point us back to you. So that we might be a place. We might be a people. More than a place. We might be a people. That others will know as a place of love. A people of love. Thank you, God. We thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.